you know, I've had, I've had a variety of experiences. I've had the guys that, you know, want to take me under their wing and they want to show me and they want to teach me. And so those men that have done that for me, it's been, I can't thank them enough. Uh, I don't think I would have gotten nearly as far as I did without them. But there's also been the complete opposite. The men on the job site that don't want to see you succeed. They don't think you belong there. And young in my career, I really felt like I had to prove myself. And I think I gave up actually a bit of myself in order to prove myself to them and to prove myself to the industry and also to prove myself to myself that I could actually do what I thought I could do. Hey, Construction Nation. Welcome to Lead with Trust. I'm Sue Dyer, and I've been on a three-decade journey to figure out how to make sure our construction projects succeed and produce some extraordinary results. My trusted leader journey has led me to work on over 4,000 construction projects worth over $180 billion. In this podcast, I'm here to teach you everything I've learned. One thing I know is that it starts with the leaders of the businesses and organizations that come together to build a project. If that's you, let's get going. Welcome Construction Nation to this episode of Lead with Trust. And just a quick reminder that Lead with Trust is not just a podcast. It is also a YouTube channel and a newsletter. So no matter how you like to get your information, we've got you covered and you can choose all three ways or the best way that you like. And at the end of the show notes, you can always find the links to the newsletter and to the YouTube channel. So today is exciting because we're continuing with the series of bringing women into construction, which has been so exciting for me to learn about so many awesome women that have been in the industry for quite a few years, many for decades, and they have really thrived with their own tenacity and have many great insights on how we can bring more women into the field, operations, trades, and other aspects of construction. So Caitlin, I think, is a huge role model uh, because she started by studying architecture, and then she jumped into the field and kind of found her home, found her footing, and quickly became a superintendent running large commercial construction projects. And then as she was a superintendent, she kind of saw places where there were challenges, in particular in safety. And then she jumped over now and she's the CEO of EMOD, where she's working to help create safer job sites. And so I think she's just going to be a great wealth of knowledge and information and inspiring for everyone in the industry, whether you're a woman, man, Young, old, big, small, whatever. I think she's a great role model. So let's listen into our conversation. Hey, Construction Nation. We are so privileged today to have Caitlin Frank with us. Welcome, Caitlin. Thank you for having me. 
So we are continuing our series on bringing women into construction. And I am so excited to learn more about you and your path and your lessons learned and insights as you have been out working out in the field and, and now have moved on. So I want to learn about all of that. Yeah. Gosh, it's, it's been a fun, wild ride. We'll go all the way back, I guess. I started out my career back in Boston. And I did my undergrad in architecture, thought I wanted to become an architect, realized I had these, uh, I call them nightmares of zooming in and out of CAD, and saw that sitting at a desk wasn't for me. Um, I knew that I would learn this industry the best if I was out in the field. At the time, there was no one else out in the field that looked like me. Uh, there was no other females that I had looked up to. And it wasn't until about two years ago that I actually met other female superintendents that were in the same position. but. Got my master's in construction management, worked in Boston for a little while, and then decided that I no longer enjoyed the the cold winters in construction out in Boston and found my way to San Francisco. I ran, I had a goal of 30 million by 30, 30 by 30, ran some large commercial construction projects, ended up ending with a nice Amazon project in San Francisco and decided I was going to hang up my hard hat for a little while. I truly never planned on leaving the industry as far as actual commercial construction, but I found my way into technology and thought I could impact a larger group in the industry that way. That's so exciting. So um, tell us a little bit. I know now you're the CEO of EMOD. So mm -hmm. tell us about EMOD and, and what it does and, and what you're trying to do and impact. So when I was in the field, you know, it didn't matter what contractor I was working for. Um, I worked for Two mid-sized general contractors and one of the ENR top, you know, 400 or four, I guess at this point, um, contractors and safety always was commonly spoken about and very important to the company culture. But the reality of deploying it into the field, it was very administrative and check the box. I'm the daughter of a contractor and I never wanted to make that or get that phone call that someone, you know, my dad wasn't going to come home. And I never, as a superintendent, I not, never wanted to make that phone call. Um, and so when safety came to me, it was always very important that safety was always first and it was done well. And I saw the processes that were put out there. And honestly, as a superintendent, we were set up to fail. The processes were unrealistic and they checked the box, but they weren't actually protecting the field crews. So at EMOD, what we're trying to do is we're focusing in on the people that are actually doing the work. How do we get them more involved? Do they understand the hazards? Do they understand what they're signing off on? And trying to be more proactive in that sense, instead of just documenting what's already occurred out there um, and be reacting to a situation. I think that's true with safety. I, I, it is more reactionary. Although I do see sometimes, like one of the contractors that you worked for, I know they they do a lot of hazardous, potential hazard, and they react to that. But it's still a lot of mostly reactionary. And so when something happens, then everyone stands down and you begin to look at, well, what happened and how do we prevent this from happening? Yeah. So, so how does EMOD do that? Um, so one of the things that I struggled with as a superintendent was to get the subcontractors or trade partners to submit quality. We call them pre-task plans. I know they have a million names in the industry, but the daily hazard assessments yeah. um, that are actually quality. And what I learned in the field was that a lot of our field crews, English may not be their first language. 
they may not be comfortable with their spelling and their handwriting. We're handing them a blank form. That's it. We're just telling them to fill out and no one's ever actually taught them how to fill it out or they showed them once and that was it. So with an EMOD, let's say you're going to install ductwork and you're a mechanical contractor. It's going to say install ductwork as a one possible task. Here are some possible steps, possible hazards, and possible safe plans to mitigate those hazards. Just to point people in the right direction. So we're not a form builder. We're not just outlining, you know, we didn't just digitize a form that's already out there. We're trying to make it proactive to suggest things that you may not have considered. Or if you didn't know how to fill it out, this is the type of content we're looking for. I would think that would be something that the insurance companies would be very interested in. Yes. And so we've actually started to partner with insurance companies. Yeah. I know when I started partnering, I was the first, uh, I was asked to write my first book by them. And they had a product that paid for the partnering. And they found that they saved 75% over what they had been paying. Yeah. Wow. We had a general contractor just show us that they saved 42% of the workers' comp last year. There's yeah. big savings there. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about what made you decide to go into construction in the first place. So daughter of a contractor, knew I always wanted to be in the industry. Um, and to be really transparent and honest, I am very dyslexic. Construction was a hands-on, something I could understand and visually see in the field. I knew I was going to learn better that way. Um, and I know I came out of school, I could have gone the project management route or the field route. And I knew I was going to excel a lot faster in the field because I wasn't going to be reading, sitting there reading submittals and trying to visualize how things were being installed in the field. I was going to be asking a foreman uh, or a crew, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? I can't tell you how many times I sit out there. It just was a, with an iPad being like, oh, that's what it looks like. Okay. I just kept going. You know, I knew that that's where I belonged as soon as I kind of jumped into this industry. So what made you decide to go into architecture? Um, my dad was a contractor growing up. And so I was always on job sites with him. And growing up, I didn't think I wanted to be part of that. But so I did the couple of years in architecture, did finish my undergrad in it, and just realized that the design side, although very interesting, wasn't for me, but it actually worked out really well in my career. As I was running work, you know, I could draw up an RFI with a potential solution in CAD really quick and suggest it to an architect. So that's what I'm it, thinking. They want, it, they want one of you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was definitely had its benefits. It's just, I thought I, I love to see an actual project from start to finish. Um, and honestly, I fell in love working with the field. The people in the field were probably my favorite part of it. I hear you. I just think people that work in construction are the salt of the earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what was your path then from, you know, start from when you started and kind of, I want to, I want everyone to kind of understand the path you take as you, you didn't start out as the superintendent. I did not. Um, I worked for a contractor that had, they called it a core program. So you did Three months in estimating, three months in safety. You kind of you bounce through all the different um, categories, and I fell in love with the field as soon as I finished my master's. I was an assistant superintendent right away. Luckily, growing up, you know, coming out of construction, I, I kind of got the gist of it. Um, I can't say that I didn't FaceTime my dad many times on the job site, being like, "What am I looking at?" But yeah, I ran, started to run my own work within the first year, actually, and I was very lucky. But I will say it was also very difficult. I looked very young and I was probably the daughter, you know, children's age of some of the guys that I was working with, which made it very difficult in the field. But 
I went down and nothing was going to stop me. I just had this crazy fire in me as soon as I stepped on a job site. That's awesome. Oh, that's so awesome. Well, you're just where you're meant to be. Yeah. So how long did you do that? You were with several companies doing superintendent. Uh, I was superintendent for about 10 years. Um, I was assistant superintendent for maybe a year. And then I really just jumped right in um, for about 10 years. I was a super, um, both on the East Coast and on the West Coast. And then the last kind of year that I was running work or two years I was running work, I was working on EMOD kind of behind the scenes. We were testing it internally at the contractor I was working with as well. And, you know, once it actually started to gain some legs, it was the time to decide, you know, do I want to keep running work? Where do I see my career? And this, it doesn't matter, honestly, if you're in construction or in tech, there's not enough women on either side. And I've learned, I didn't realize I was going from one male dominated industry to another and trying to raise capital is a whole nother battle as a female in this industry, especially in construction tech. But it's been, apparently I like a good battle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're not faint of heart. That's for sure. No. Hope you're enjoying this show. Every time you and your team step foot onto a construction project, you bring your business culture with you. For any construction project to succeed, there must be a high trust culture. It doesn't matter if you're in planning, design, construction, or startup phases. The more trust you bring and build, the better your results. I've created a free resource for you, the Trusted Leader Profile. So you can know exactly the level of trust you bring to your business and projects and what you can do to boost trust. You can grab that at sudico.com slash profile. That's S-U-D-Y-C-O dot com slash profile, P-R-O-F-I-L-E. And I hope that you'll remember that always high trust equals high performance, and it really depends on you. Now back to the show. So with um, with your journey to heading up a tech company now, uh, but it is still all completely related to all of your expertise, both in your training in architecture, construction management, and as being a superintendent, knowing how to really put things together. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like, uh, you know, it's a winner, funny. A winner. I, yeah. I always say. You know, people ask me how the transition's been from construction to the tech side. And, you know, I have all my sticky notes across my wall here. It's like I have a schedule. I'm just not not building out a someone's new office space this time around. You know, I'm I'm running for the next sprint. I'm figuring out the next appointment. I'm, you know, figuring out when we're gonna onboard people, which is like essentially bringing on new subs. So it's it's just a different type of project. Yeah, but you have a skill set that you can transfer. So yeah. that's a really important thing for everyone to understand too, that while you may start in one job, uh, you you may evolve into other jobs, but those skills will still be with you and you can take them other places. Because yeah. in construction, I, I still think technology is just like a supplier to construction. It's still part of the value chain of of creating good construction whether you're in planning, design, construction, 
startup maintenance and you know you're a supplier i think it's i think it's awesome so what's it like now to be a ceo oh my goodness um it's exciting it's exhausting it's it's a rush um i love it it's it's like being a superintendent all over again a little less dirty a little the hours those early mornings aren't nearly as bad i don't miss those 4 a.m no job site hours but it's a push. It's a big push. It's interesting. You know, prior to this, you'd be, I'd be given trade contractors on a job site. And now I'm, I'm going out trying to hire and it has been a very big change for me. That's awesome. So how, how long have you been into the EMOD? Um, so EMOD has been around for about three and a half, four years now. We didn't fully go to market though till last year. And so I didn't step in as our CEO until last January. So I'm almost at the one-year mark. One year. Okay. So that's cool. So what has your experience been seeing out in the field now as being a woman working in construction, both in the field and now as a supplier to, I'm assuming you're looking to target construction companies. So what's your experience been like? You know, I've I've had a variety of experiences. I've had the guys that, you know, want to take me under their wing and they want to show me and they want to teach me. And so those men that have done that for me, it's been, I can't thank them enough. Uh, I don't think I would have gotten nearly as far as I did without them. But there's also been the complete opposite. The men on the job site that don't want to see you succeed. that don't think you belong there. And young in my career, I really felt like I had to prove myself. And I think I gave up actually a bit of myself in order to prove myself to them and to prove myself to the industry and also to prove myself to myself that I could actually do what I thought I could do. And so it was no easy feat, but the good days outweighed the bad. And I had a moment, I was working for Turner Construction at the time. We had an all-female team, uh, project manager, superintendent, project engineer. And I had a contractor walk up to us and tell us that it was the most intimidating job site he's ever been on. And it was such a great moment because I was like, now you know how I feel every time I walk onto a job site that's full of men. And maybe I'm lucky that there's one or two other women on the job site. Well, hopefully over time, when we have a half a billion uh, construction jobs unfilled, we, we'll get some more women that are jumping out and seeing what a great place it can be. What do you see as barriers to bringing women into construction? Of course, all of this starts when you're young. I don't know. Have you ever seen that commercial where the teacher asks the children to draw? I think it's a firefighter, a, a pilot, and a surgeon. I haven't seen that. So tell me about it. Okay. Um, so the teacher asks a group of students to do this. They're all young. I think it's like 60 of the students all draw male firefighters, pilots. And uh, surgeons, and then only like five or six of them draw females. And at the end of the commercial, they end up bringing in all of these women that are presented as that. And the faces of just these children, their their jaws are dropped. The girls are smiling. But it's this whole like gender stereotype is started at such a young age that I don't think a lot of women even know that they can go into this industry. I don't think they understand that this is even an option. I just want to grab them to like. I don't swing a hammer at a job site. I'm not driving ladders around. My job is so much more than that. And it takes so much to run a business um, and to run a construction site that 
there are so many more options than just using the tools. Yeah. And women can use the tools too. And if they want to. Now, yeah. Yeah. It, you, your story reminds me of a dear friend of mine who wrote a whole bunch of different books, but she was the first woman to ever be the head of the London Chamber of Commerce. And then she was the head of Girl Scouts all over Europe. And she was so taken back when she was working with all these girls in the Girl Scouts when she was asked, you mean a girl could be president of the United States? And so she wrote another book about, yes, a girl can be president. <laughs> yeah. But and, and like, unless you have that person to look up to, or you've seen it yourself, you don't know that that's even an option. Yeah. You, you really, how can you? Yeah. So if you had a magic wand and you could wave it to make any changes in the construction industry that would make it easier for women to come, what would you do? I don't like just make it so that when they step foot on a job site, they feel like they belong there, that they don't feel like they stand out. I think that's something that I struggled with is that it didn't matter if it was a superintendent meeting or a job site meeting or even you know, a building meeting where all the superintendents or contractors had to go to, I was always the only female. And so all I wanted to do was blend in. And all I did was stick out. And so I felt like I was always under a microscope. So if I did something wrong, I was the only female that did something wrong. If I didn't show up, I was the only female that was missing. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like if I could wave a wand and a female could step into that position and just feel like she belongs. If she wants to stand out, let her stand out. But if she just wants to blend in, then let her blend in. Well, you probably want to do both. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, you want to, You're you want to stand out for a certain reason. Microscope. Yeah. 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 I know. I've been in construction for 40 years and believe me, there were few and far between women around. And I was always the only woman in the room. However, I did find that it really worked to my advantage most of the time because yeah, that, the old rules didn't work. <laughs> and so I got to set the new rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. So what is your parting advice to contractors and builders, designers, owners uh who want to, you know, engage and bring more women into the industry and fill some of these half a billion positions that are open? Um you know, honestly, I have a message for the women that are out there that, you know, the ones that are struggling to find a voice and a place and they just don't feel like their organization that they're currently at is the right fit for them. I would say keep looking. There are good organizations out there that want to see you succeed, that want to help you get to where you want to be. And if you don't speak up, if you don't do uncomfortable things, and if you don't ask yourself, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen, you're going to be stuck. Put yourself out there and figure out what the options are because what's the worst that happens they say no maybe you get fired but was that the right organization for you if you do i've kind of lived my career by what's the worst that happens i moved across the country what's the worst that happens i go home i jump into the field what's the worst that happens i go back into the office you know it's not as bad i know it's a lot easier said than done but i've done so many uncomfortable things and i've asked so many questions and spoken up so loud I've done it for myself. I've done it for the future generation. I have a 
she's now a super superintendent, but she was my intern and she looked up to me and I was the only role model she had in that position. And it's just remember that you're doing it for the future generations so that you're not, ha- we're not having the same conversation in 10, 15 years of how do we get more women into the industry? We're already in the industry. Yeah. And it's normal. Exactly. Yeah. I, I was just talking with Mary Tykert uh, on another episode uh, from Tykert Construction. And she was saying how she's finding that as she's recruiting the folks out of college now, they have less and less of the concern of whether you're male or female. Yeah. It just isn't really there. But I do think your, your point too about, you know, I worked with thousands of different companies over the years on 4,000 projects. And I can tell you that there are differences between companies and you just got to find one that fits for you. Yeah. There's just thousands and thousands of places to be. Yeah, exactly. So how can people find you and how can they find EMOD? Definitely find me on LinkedIn and you can find EMOD at EMODSafety.com. And we'll put that in in the show notes. So everyone will have that. And I so appreciate you being here and being a role model for the next generation. And and I hope that uh, our paths cross some more times. That's wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Okay, Construction Nation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Lead with Trust. Will you do me a favor? If you think this episode can help anyone on your team or business, please forward it to them. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And your honest review, hopefully five stars, is much appreciated. Every leader who learns how to build their business and projects on a foundation of trust is going to reap the rewards of greater productivity, attracting the best of the best, enjoying your business more, and doing things you thought were impossible. If you want to know where you are in your trusted leader journey, I have a free resource for you. Please just go to sudico.com slash profile, S-U-D-Y-C-O dot com slash profile. And you can grab it there and find out where you are on your trusted leader journey. And so that is a wrap for today. Can't wait until I get a chance to hang out with you again next week. And until then, have a great day.